Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. It is Monday night recording time. That means the On The Beat podcast with Inside Carolina's famous and famed beat writers, Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, and Gregory Hall. Uh, Ross and Greg, Gregory, we're in Carmichael. Ross, I'll start with you first. Uh, You know, I don't want to review the Wofford game, but I think the Wofford game was probably a seminal moment for this North Carolina team. No Cole Anthony, no Leaky Black, uh, and really no effort or no uh, fight against Wofford until the last 10 minutes or so of the ball game. Ross, your thoughts watching the game and then in that post-game locker room. I mean, this seems like a, a maybe a step in the wrong direction for this North Carolina team. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're, you know, UNC fans are hoping for to use this game as a, a way to get back on track before a, a tough two-game road trip, you know, and kind of get back in the winning column. And that's not the case. In a game, you you would think that UNC would have no trouble winning. They you know, got outplayed. They just didn't have the firepower. I don't think this team really has the firepower. You know, got the news 90 minutes before the game that Cole Anthony and Leaky Black were out. Kind of messes things up. Um, and no, you're losing two starters and your, your top score and the guy you rely on to do a lot of things defensively and scoring and rebounding Cole Anthony, not playing. So it's just, uh, more the same. This team can't make shots. It's going to be a record low in terms of field goal shooting this season. It's trending that way. It's going to get tougher in ACC play. And, um, you know, at times, you know, they hit some shots and you, you thought they kind of showed some good fight to get back in the game. But it just wasn't – it was too little too late. It wasn't enough. And, you know, I just don't think this team kind of has the players to get it done this year. And it's going to be uh, tough sledding, I think, moving forward. Um, I mean, you just look down, up and down the roster. I mean, every every lineup they put out in Carmichael on Sunday, just it just didn't – nothing really clicked. And I think your best player on the court was Armando Baycott, and he was two for 14. So the guy that, you know, probably needed to dominate that game, had trouble scoring, and didn't play much of the second half. and. uh resulted in a loss to a, a lesser opponent. Gregory, we talked a little bit off the air about um, sort of the the mood in the locker room. What, what was it like in there? I mean, when you lose to Virginia, when you lose to Ohio State, when you lose to Michigan, um, you've lost to high-level teams. And no disrespect to Wofford, but they're not those three teams. But Wofford came in with a game plan they've had um, three times playing North Carolina, and it paid off for the second time. When you go into a locker room after a game like that for a team that's struggling like this team is, what's it like in there? I mean, well, the the two leaders of the team, Garrison Brooks and Brandon Robinson, were probably the most defeated we've seen them all. I mean, all season. I mean, Brandon Robinson had 
a solid game. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball. I mean, I think it was like four for 12. Um, but he put up, what, 16, 16 points, I think. I mean, that's one. Of the, I think that's a career high for him. But it just it, it wasn't enough. Um, and Garrison Brooks was eight for 10 and had 17 points. But he missed a crucial free throw down the stretch um, and things like that. And he fouled a three-point shooter, which Roy and the press conference afterwards mentioned a, a few times. Just because, I mean, that's just something you, you, you really can't do. And you mentioned the team not really having much fight uh, except down the stretch. I mean, when Wofford went on that 16-0 run, you could definitely see uh, UNC was starting to get kind of de- defeated when they just couldn't make a shot. I mean, they went 0-9 in that stretch, and, and you can kind of see the lack of fight when they were dominating the boards uh, the entire first half and most of the game. Uh, but that stretch, they got out-rebounded 12-5. Um, to a Wofford team that really wasn't that big, other than that, that they're one one big man at the five. I mean, and all of that just kind of leads to a, a depleted locker room. Um, Andrew Playtech, we talked to him after the game, and he wasn't as kind of uh, moping around as uh, B. Rob or Garrison, but I mean, he had some strong words, and a quote that stood out from him was just, I mean, anything that is associated with basketball, I mean, every stat and just kind of anything basketball related we need to get better at as a team uh, is what he said and, and things like that. Similar to uh, Justin Pierce's strong quotes about the shooting issues um, after the Ohio state loss. Uh, so the, yeah, this, this team is defeated right now. And I mean, they got to pick it up and they know they have to pick it up because they're heading to now number two Gonzaga on Wednesday. But yeah, the, the mood in the locker room after the game is not, not a pleasant one to be and the key there is the two leaders were the guys that I thought were two, the two most deflated, as, as Gregory said. You've got to lean on the senior, Brian Robinson, and Garrison Brooks, the, the, probably the most veteran in terms of experience. And those guys were moping around and speaking very, very low. And those are the guys who kind of have to stand up and, and make a statement and, and you know, approach the media. And, and they were just they were very deflated and defeated, as Gregory said. Garrison went back to his one, two-word answers that we saw some last year, and um, I know you guys said that you saw heard out of him his freshman year. Um, you would ask him a question, and he would just say, yeah, or even if it wasn't a yes or no question, he would make it a yes or no question and kind of make you have to keep asking just because you could tell he didn't want to be there anymore and wanted to move on and, and forget the game. So, yeah, not, not what you want out of the two guys that are supposed to be. Greg, when you – you know, when you see a North Carolina team that's struggling, I mean, they're staring at potentially a bad week this week as well. But, you know, when you see them get upset by a team like Wofford, you usually say, well, Wofford must have shot lights out. And people see 14 threes, but they shot 35% from three. And Roy Williams said in that post game, uh, yeah, they hit 14, but they shot 40 times. And normally, when a team would do that against North Carolina, they'd still get worn out. Uh, but this team just can't put the ball in the basket. Now, we could talk about the the lack of Cole Anthony or whatever, but the, they've struggled shooting the ball all year now. They talked about it on the Coast to Coast pod say, podcast with Siegley and Sherelle and Sean. I mean, how does this team get it figured out? You don't just automatically become a better shooter overnight. So what has to happen for this team to, A, be competitive, and B, find a way to win ball games? You know, you got to hit shots, and they just cannot get it done and have not been able to do it all year. 
Right, and we're, we're 10 games in, uh, and this team has 21 regular season games left. So we're, we're about 33% of the way through the season. Um, I, I think 10 games is a good enough sample size for us to learn and know what kind of team this is. And to your point, Tommy, this is not a good shooting team. Uh, we we expressed these concerns before the season. I don't think anybody <laughs> uh, thought it would be like this. Although, as we talked about, you know, Roy highlighted that at uh, one of the media days that teams are going to struggle to score. Um, but let me let me share some of these numbers because these are just staggering for a Roy Williams team. Uh, field goal percentage: UNC ranks 316th nationally. Three-point field goal percentage, 310th nationally. Free throw percentage, 317th nationally. Uh, and then the, the other ones that kind of stand out, steals per game, 322. Turnover margin, 295. Um, so those last two kind of get into why they've not had much success with uh, the transition game. But if you're shooting 63% from the free throw line, there's a pretty strong correlation there that that's going to continue when you get away from the free throw line when somebody's actually guarding you. Uh, and, that, I mean, like, against Wofford, they don't have a lot of size. Uh, you don't have your best player in Cole Anthony. What do you have to do? You have to pound the ball down low and let Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott dominate. Garrison Brooks did a pretty good job. Baycott was a no-show. So, Cole Anthony's on the bench. Baycott's a no-show. Good luck. Um, that, that's kind of where we're at. And so what does this team have to do? Well, the ceiling that I think we all had in mind for this team continues to drop. And so what North Carolina has to find a way to do is to reach that potential uh, as best they can, however low that ceiling may be. They will continue to get better, even though I think you could argue they haven't really gotten better. Uh, but with injuries, that, that plays a big role. I, I don't know that people should be alarmed with the Wofford outcome uh, when you factor in injuries and, and all those kind of things. Uh, but I do think that in order for North Carolina to be able to score, they have to uh, do better defensively. They're doing a great job in terms of limiting teams. I mean, they're 30th nationally in field goal percentage defense. They have to close out and finish possessions on the boards better. Uh, they have to force turnovers, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, they have to be able to get out and transition, get easy buckets. But they're not doing that. Um, and so they have to improve in those aspects, as Roy broke down uh, pretty well a week or two ago. They're really struggling in their transitions from their primary break to the secondary break, and then again from their secondary break into their freelance. And what happens is because they're too stagnant in those transitions, you end up with about 10 seconds left on the shot clock, and everybody's just kind of standing there, and then you have hero ball. Uh, and if you're not a great shooting team, you're going to be exposed when you do that. And so they just have to fine-tune uh, a lot of these uh, teachable aspects. You can't correct shooting overnight, but you can make sure you make better passes. You can learn where your teammates want the passes. You can make sure you, uh, you're you smoother in how you transition throughout the primary and secondary and freelance offenses. Uh, you can do better defensively enforcing steals to get easy buckets. 
all those things are, are tangible things that they can do. Uh, it doesn't matter how good you are in terms of a shooter, you can improve in those areas. And so we're at the point now, I think they will shoot better as the season goes along, just because it's kind of hard to imagine them shooting this poorly all season long. Um, but, I mean, this is not a team that's going to shoot 50%. But like this, when they shoot 50% against a good team, that's going to be the story. It's like, hey, this team finally shot 50%. Like this, this is a hallmark for this team. That's where we're at. But if they can get up to 44 or 45%, now that's a game changer. Now you're in more of these games and you have a chance to win against you know, not great teams maybe, but against really good teams. And then if Cole Anthony can have a, a game like he did against Notre Dame, then you can still maybe some big ones. Uh, but, but the ceiling, as I said, has just continued to kind of drop. The ceiling continues to drop. That's an ominous statement there from Greg Barnes. I do not disagree with it. Let me take a chance to talk about Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Of course, great sponsors of the Inside Carolina podcast. Johnny T-Shirt has all your Carolina gear, all your Carolina needs under control. They're on Franklin Street at the store or online at johnnytshirt.com. Basketball, football, baseball, soccer. You get your field hockey stuff. Get your schools of journalism shirts. Whatever you need Carolina-related. In apparel, you also have all the gear, your tailgating gear, your car gear, anything you need sticker-wise, whatever you want. For your Carolina fan on your Christmas list, you still got a chance to get by Franklin Street. You need to hustle if you're going to get it done. Christmas just around the corner. As always, if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you get that 10% off your everyday order, and it comes in handy over the holidays. Comes in handy 365 days a year. Shop at Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street or JohnnyT-shirt.com. Do it as an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber and save a little more. Ross, you know, one of the moments in that ball game Sunday that kind of stood out to me is this late, um, it's late in the shot clock. Brandon Robinson gets the ball on the left wing, left corner. And instead of taking a three, which wouldn't have been too terribly contested, uh, he throws a long cross-court pass over everybody to Anthony Harris. And he ends up having to take a, a uh, shot, rush shot, and then he ends up getting the rebound and getting the layup or whatever. That stuck out to me as being one of those moments that, and I'm not picking on a kid at all, but like, wow, you know, you're the senior on the team, take the shot. Somebody needs to come down and take a shot. It needs to be one of the upperclassmen. And then that ball goes cross court to a freshman who's what, in his second game, if yeah. I'm right. That that just kind of that kind of summed up the day and summed up the season thus far for me watching this team. Yeah, I mean, it kind of shows you that you're having a lot of players in new roles. I mean, Brandon Robinson, you know, he's 11 games into this season, or I guess 10 games in this season, but he's not still not still adjusting it to to being a main guy. I mean, he should be one of the leading scorers on this team. I think he's the maybe the third or fourth leading scorer right now. He's got to be one of those go-to guys, and he's just not used to that role. And maybe he's not – I don't think he's really made for that role, um, more of a defender and a spot-up shooter, but he's going to have tasks with shooting more. I don't know if he has that in him. You mentioned Anthony Harris. You've got Anthony Harris, Jeremiah Francis playing tons of minutes yesterday. That's because of the injuries to Cole Anthony and Leaky Black, but that's what this team has kind of come down to, relying on these freshmen who have played two games. And that's kind of 
kind of shows you where we're at right now with Carolina basketball. I mean, it's bleak, especially when you have injuries. I mean, with Cole Anthony and with Baycott, I mean, this team, I think, is an NCAA team. But without those guys, you know, without Leakey and Cole and the other players, I mean, it's a it's a fringe NCAA team. So that's what we're seeing. I mean, the shooting that Greg touched, touched on is, is a huge issue right now. They just can't make shots. And, and that's, like Roy always says, things are a lot better when the ball goes in the basket. And it's just not going in right now. And, yeah, I think getting the easy baskets, getting in transition is going to be – the best way for this team to score and, and win because they do have some athletes, but they're just not getting it done on that side. I think they and they got beasted on the transition and they got beasted on bench and every kind of measure like yesterday, except for rebounding, they, they got beat up on. It's not necessarily a new thing, but it, it does seem like other teams are able to work it around to get that open look against Carolina. And you can talk about the three-point defense or whatever, but uh, Wofford was able to get open shots except for that little stretch where Carolina made a run Wofford got what they wanted shot wise Carolina just struggles mightily doing it uh, Gregory KJ Smith and Jeremiah Francis give me your take on those two because I, I think they offer some positives I, I really like KJ Smith out there and I think if I'm looking at it right he uh was by plus minus by far the best guard or the best uh point guard out there but your take on their roles, um, you know, Cole Anthony, whatever's going on with him, which which of those two guys you see being the, the main guy? Because I think Roy is going to have to go with somebody. Is it KJ or is it Jeremiah or both? I mean, I, I, that's, that's definitely a tough question. I think based off watching yesterday, they both had different styles of play. Uh, I was impressed with Jeremiah's desire and will to push the tempo um he was constantly attacking that primary break which is something that Roy has stressed that they need to do better at and you can kind of tell that he had that in his head um and dribbled into the paint aggressively uh KJ was a little more facilitator um top of the key uh, trying to find the open man, create shots, and he also wasn't afraid to shoot it. Uh, he shot it a lot more and was successful, way more successful than Jeremiah, who I think was 0 for 3 and still hasn't get, been able to get any points. But like Roy said in the press conference afterwards, uh, he stressed how proud he was of Jeremiah Francis just because, yes, he played some minutes uh, against Virginia, but I think it was only three. And he played. He was asked to play. I think it was like sixteen or seventeen minutes yesterday. And it's the first time he's really had a consistent minutes since uh, his sophomore year of high school, which is just out. Oh, just crazy to think about. I think moving forward, though, because of what KJ has been able to show, um, that he's not going to make too many mistakes. Um, he was solid against Oregon, and he was pretty solid yesterday. I mean, he had his his down moments, just like the whole team had. But I think for me right now, just on where. KJ is and just Jeremiah with just trying to get back slowly. I think KJ is probably the guy moving forward as that backup role. But Jeremiah will definitely get some minutes with his ability to be able to push the push the tempo a little bit. I don't know if I wasn't I wasn't really impressed with KJ. I don't know. Maybe we saw something different, but I think he's solid, but nothing jumps off the screen with him. And I, I was impressed with what Francis did in, in his second game. But I, I don't know if you saw something else from KJ and it, it just didn't nothing really he definitely is not the dynamic performer that they need for that position, obviously. But 
I kind of like what Francis brought. I thought he played very confident. I was impressed very confidently, and I was impressed with what he did in uh, in only the second game as a, as a college player. Well, we can debate it a little bit, and Greg can jump in too. I mean, I think Kenny Smith, or excuse me, he look he looks just like Kenny Smith. <laughs> they look they played just exactly the same. One's a little better than the other, but uh, KJ is a, a Jimmy Black type facilitator, not going to score a ton of points, but can point guard. I think Francis is a little more attacking, but I mean, if you look in this game, I mean, seven points to none plus six to minus 10, you know, I think if you're looking at this game specifically, then KJ Smith's your guy. Neither one of them jump off the the stat sheet. I think defense is important and I don't chart defense well enough to know who did the best in that role. Um, but Greg, your thoughts there on those two players and also going into this two game road trip. I mean, what positives aside from winning games, you always want to win. But if you don't win, what can North Carolina accomplish in these next two ball games at Gonzaga and then UCLA next weekend in Vegas? Well, first thing with, with the, the point guard situation, um, you got to remember Jeremiah Francis uh, really hadn't played basketball in two years with his knee injuries. So the fact that he looks as good as he does, to me, is a good sign uh, because he's only going to get better. And as he gets more accustomed to what Rui wants to do and just more accustomed to playing basketball, uh, he's going to get a lot better. And I, I think that bodes well for the future. I don't know how quickly he's going to be able to, to knock all the rust off. Uh, but but I think he's going to be good for this team moving forward, um, even though you know, he may not be the your primary guy there next year or some of the talent they've got coming in uh, with Love and, and Davis uh, there in, in the backcourt. But uh, I, I think the possibility of having at least a solid backup in Francis is very good. I also agree, K.J. Smith, uh, tend to agree with, with Ross in terms of, yes, he's solid, uh, but you know, he, he's kind of just, just filling the role. I, I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch, but he's not a dynamic uh, point guard that, that's going to be able to do what North Carolina needs to do uh, in transition and in the half court. But he is a veteran player. I mean, he's, he's been around for a couple of years. And you're seeing that a little bit. Like he, He's not really going to hurt you. He's just not going to give you a whole lot that can uh, allow him to be a difference maker. But I think they're both good pieces. And I think they'll, as with any player, the more you play, the, the, the better you get and the more confidence you gain. And I think the confidence aspect, uh, talking about the, the road trip coming up, is the most important thing for this team. Uh, Roy's talked a lot over the years. He likes playing tough schedules. The challenge with playing a tough schedule with an inexperienced team, especially when there's injuries involved, is then get smacked around a little bit too much. And it really affects their psyche. And if you're not hitting shots, and you're not hitting shots, and you're not hitting shots, well, guess what you're going to be thinking if you're getting smacked in some of these games? You're not going to be stepping into a shot thinking that's going down. Uh, I don't know if it was Ross or uh, somebody else who said this, but yeah, last year, you know, Kenny, Smith, uh, Kenny Williams, when he's struggling to, to make shots, even when he was taking shots, you had a pretty good indication. That's, that's going to be close. Like, you watch him shoot, so, okay, that's going in. Uh, okay, he missed it. Some of these shots these guys are taking now, I mean, they're way off the mark. And these aren't bad players. 
And to me, that screams confidence, a little bit shaky. And so when you're on this road trip, I mean, Gonzaga, that's going to be a big scene for them, one of the biggest games in, in program history, at least in terms of name of opponent coming in. And that's going to be a very tough place to play. Uh, so what you're trying to do, yes, you want to win, of course. But what you're trying to do is you're, you want to play well, you want to play smart, play good defense, take good shots. And I think that's how fans really need to look at some of the shooting woes is, are they getting good shots? Um, and are they just not going in? Or are they taking really bad shots, which can be a problem? And as long as they're taking good shots and getting good looks, you can build off that. Um, and I think I think the Vegas game's really important for this team because I think everybody kind of expects them to lose and maybe lose big at Gonzaga. UCLA's you know, not really a, a good team in Cronin's first year out there anyway. And so that's a game that you don't have to be elite to win. Uh, but if you lose both those games, then you go into the Christmas break. Confidence is really down because at that point you'd be on a what? What is that? A five or six game losing streak? Um, not having one one in the, the month of December. That's when things get problematic because you have one more game before ACC play uh, really starts, and and that's where things can kind of get out of hand. But uh, you just have to be building that confidence and, and building the trust for your teammates. And that, that's really the key for this week. I mean, the one th- with with KJ Smith, we have to remember this guy is a walk on. I mean, he is not expected to to be in this role, and he's thrust into it. So, yeah, I mean, but, we're, we're kind of seeing what we should expect out of him. Not hurting, but certainly not providing anything close to what Cole Anthony uh, can do and has done for this team. And I think we're just kind of jumping around. The the main point here is I don't think this team has the talent. I don't think there, there's a lot of players playing that are not UNC caliber caliber players. I think this team hasn't gotten a lot from Leaky Black this year. I think the grad transfers have been super disappointing, and I think the coaches realize that. They expect a lot more from Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling on offense, and they have not stepped up, and that's why I think this team is struggling. Because I think Baycott, Brooks, and Anthony have been what you would expect. I think Baycott's maybe been a little bit better than you expected, but Keeling and, and Pierce have just not gotten it done, and I think – Going into the season, the staff expected a lot more better shooting and scoring from those two. That's why they brought them in. There you go. I, there you have it. I agree with that. I mean, I said it. There were times on the court against Wofford that, you know, there was maybe one, maybe two uh, guys that folks are used to seeing in North Carolina jerseys. But it is what it is. And I think, you know, it's up to Roy Williams to try to figure it out to – scratch out some wins. I agree with Greg. Gonzaga's going to be tough. I talked to some of those Gonzaga guys in the airport down in Nassau. They cannot, could not wait for December 18th to come around. And then uh, the game against UCLA, because UCLA is not good. They're beatable. They're definitely beatable. You get you get back to Chapel Hill at 7-5, and five, uh, you got something to build on. You come back to Chapel Hill at 6-6. Six and six, with I believe Yale on the thirtieth, and then ACC play, it's going to be <laughs> going to be interesting to see. I'm going to take a short break. Well, look, what, we'll go ahead. Hey, let me <laughs> just throw this in here while we're on basketball, since I'm screwing up your your uh, commercial break here. I'm just trying to if pay the bills. Wo- <laughs> right, if Seventh Woods had returned to North Carolina this year, he'd be the highest ranked recruit on that roster, outside of Cole Anthony and Armando Baycott. 
Um, and I know there are plenty of people who say, I get it, but Roy still has a couple of top 100 guys. Brandon Robinson, I think, was number 60. Um, Ricky Black was about 70th. I think Anthony Harris is about in that same range. So there's a couple top 100 guys beyond Anthony and Baycott. Uh, but when they're all having to play new roles, and some of them are very inexperienced, you, you what we're seeing is kind of what you get. And if, if they make some of those shots, it doesn't seem as dire. Uh, but, yeah, the, the talent level currently is just down. I say just fire it up, man. Start shooting. Let it go. I mean, I see too many guys that are hesitant to shoot. Just let it go. I think you you if there's a good shot, no matter where it is in the shot clock, take it and uh, go from there and then let some folks go get some rebounds. I said Loyola Marymount style uh, a couple of weeks ago, and folks shot that down, said they would get beat worse. Well, beat or beat worse, does it really matter? At least give yourself a chance. We're going to take another short break, come back after the break. We're going to talk Carolina football, Carolina in the military bowl. And gosh, what, 10 days? We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer ixl learning is an online learning program for kids it covers math language arts science and social studies ixl is designed this program will improve your kids grades studies done in almost every state in the country the kids who had ixl are consistently doing better powered by advanced algorithms ixl gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. We're back. Ross, I'll come to you first since we've been going that way. Carolina in the Military Bowl, December 27th up in Annapolis. Mac Brown met with the media. Um, he seemed a little fired up and... Uh, 
it was interesting to hear him talk about the, the negative recruiting that North Carolina has been catching on the trail. You know, when teams go negative, that means they've got, uh, they're a little bit worried, but your thoughts on Mac and his press conference today. Man, it was 37 minutes. There's a lot to touch on. I mean, to pull some stuff out. Yeah, he did bring up that old age thing a lot. And he said teams are telling teams are telling recruits that he's too old and he's going to retire soon. And that's much of the reason why he is, um, I guess, I guess signing a, a extension every year is a plan. So he's always going to have a five-year contract. I thought it was pretty interesting, a pretty unique kind of approach to that. Um <clears throat> You know, he did a lot of media today, and a lot of people asked him about all his appearances on ESPN, and it's kind of black and white from from Larry Fedora. I mean, Mac did at least three or four radio interviews today. He had the press conference, and he did the Mac Brown Live as well at Top of the Hill. So you know, he's making his rounds, and he's he's making UNC visible on ESPN, and, and you know, he's a big name. I think that's going to help everything in terms of recruiting the profile of UNC football, and that was talked about as a lot as well. Uh, and they're just kind of getting into to bowl prep. And they're, they're using this as a second spring practice. Just the normal stuff. I mean, it's been a couple of years since UNC's gone to bowl game. But the uh, the, the normal stuff with, with, with getting younger players a lot of reps here early and then slowly preparing for Temple. And, um, and then as they, when they get to D.C., they're staying in D.C., they're going to practice at Georgetown. That's when they really kind of ramp up the preparation for Temple. We have a couple media availabilities this week, so we'll have some content throughout this week leading into uh i guess the week of christmas gregory you were at the radio show on monday night any nuggets come out of there i know uh, you'll cover it for the website but for our podcast listeners that may have missed mac brown live what what kind of nuggets come out of that uh so it was rick steinbacher was hosting it tonight as uh jones angel was headed out west so that was a little little different take for the last one of the season um, and so they, they went over some, the all ACC got the guys who made the all ACC team, uh, talked about the senior banquet awards and, um, all of that jazz, but some things that kind of stood out to me and what's kind of stood out about Mac, this kind of entire, his entire year, he's been here for over a year now. Um, he was talking about kind of his mission and what he's trying to do for his program. Um, and like we all know, the goal for – he said the goal as soon as he got here was to win uh, for the seniors, and he's kind of proven that to get him to a bowl game and beat the rival teams. And he was talking about recruiting, and uh, Rick Steinbacher brought up that when Mac was his coach, that he constantly was saying that he wants to recruit kids uh, that – are good kids can play football and are going to graduate. And now he's kind of saying the mantra, it's not a four year decision. It's a 40 year decision. Um, And he was kind of saying that you can't say that unless you mean it and prove it. And he talked about how, where Rick Steinbacher is now. Um, He's 47 years old and he's uh, an assistant athletic director at Carolina school that he played for. Uh, he's talking about bringing back Dre Bly um, and these things and kind of putting proof to his words and what that kind of stands out uh, to recruits. And, and then when he was talking about uh, the senior banquet, uh, he talked about the whole concept of family 
um, and team and everything like that. And a quote that stood out to me was, uh, you can't talk about being family, um, about team being family and team being together unless you mean it. Um, and so that's just kind of what I've gotten from him, I guess, as he's talking through all of these radio shows and listening to him every week and uh, these press conferences is that he's got proof behind his words. Um, and that stands out to recruits and it stands out to players. And I think that's why he's been able to revamp this program. And it really stood out today as he talked on the final Mac live of the year. Greg, a couple things from that. It, Mac is selling and it's something he's always done, but he's selling football program similarly to the way they sell the basketball program, family, 40 year decision, you know, we'll always be there. You come to school here and all that. You you think that is a, something that can work for Mac Brown long-term. And when I say long-term, even beyond when Mac Brown's uh, moved on from North Carolina, however many years down the line. And obviously with the rolling over five year contract, um, there's plenty of time for that discussion to come way down the line. But do you think that is a winning formula or do you think that for Carolina to recruit at a high level or higher level than they traditionally do, um, that they're going to have to win nine, 10, 11 ball games a year to do accomplish that. Yeah. You have to win. Um, all, all the other stuff is nice, but that's, you know, one thing I, when Bubba Cunningham was hired, um, however many years ago now, uh, the first interview I sat down with him for, because he was kind of known for having a lot of marketing success uh, while he was at Ball State, and then again in uh, Tulsa. And you, know, you can you can have uh, crazy pregame activities. You can have like a concert beforehand. You can have all these different things, uh, but you got to win. That's that's the name of the game. And Mac understands you have to have the foundation in place. So yes, you need to have good fan support. You need to sell out games. Uh, you need to do all these things. You need to have great facilities. Uh, I think Florida State's a good example of when you let some of those things slack off, even if you are a great program, it'll catch up with you. Um, and if you're a program trying to build and trying to get to an elite level, um, you know, which North Carolina really hadn't even flirted with since Mac was here last time, you know, 20 years. So you've got to build it back up. And I think a lot of people kind of miss the fact that when you talk about Clemson, you talk to me, you know, when Art Browns was at Baylor, I think that was a good example. But they had to win like 10 games, like five years in a row, I think, before people started saying, okay, well, this is a team that has consistently done it. Uh, Maybe they can actually compete at the elite level to challenge for a championship. And Clemson was kind of the same way. I mean, Clemson was winning 10, 11 games. You know, they get blown out by West Virginia, I believe it was, in, in one of the, the big games, and everybody's kind of laughing at them. But they stayed the course, and it eventually paid off because they were able to, by winning so much, they, they improved their facilities, and they were able to get gradually better recruiting classes in until finally they, they really kind of took off. So this is not going to be an overnight deal. I mean, as good as this current recruiting class is looking, uh, by the first Wednesday in February, is it going to be a top 20 class? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but, you know, looking who's behind them and who has a lot of scholarships to give, that may be a stretch. So that's a good class, but it's not an elite class. 
And so you have to win. You have to continue to build. And with each year, the more wins you have, maybe the you can have enough uh, players, you know, like the, the Simpson kid, uh, who say, okay, you know what? They, they won eight games or they won nine games. That's good enough. I, I can I can make a difference to get them up to double digits. And that's what it takes. That's kind of how it snowballs. But uh, you have to have the foundation, which gives Mac credit. He's done that very quickly. But now you have to win, and that, that helps your recruiting classes. That being said, question for all three of y'all. Um, Ross, I'll start with you. Seven and six or six and seven, depending on the bowl game, does it matter for what Mac Brown's trying to accomplish? I asked Mac Brown that question today, Tommy. I mean, I think it looks a lot better. I mean, I, I think it's a winning record. I think I think you can point to that and then next year maybe get to eight, nine wins and you just you, you that's, tr- keep trending up. And so, yeah, I think obviously I think seven and six is a lot better than six and seven. Mac didn't think that one game has that much difference. But when you look at records, you know, they won't remember that it was Temple. But you you see the records when you look on ESPN or wherever you get your schedules and you see that seven instead of a six. I think that's a lot better uh, for appearances, for recruiting, for momentum. You can say we had a winning season our first year. We won eight games our second year or whatever. And next year we're turning to double-digit wins. So I think, I think that kind of stuff is, is, is not big, but I think it's, it's – it's not insignificant. Gregory, your thoughts? <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, seven and six is obviously better, and that's what you want. You want a winning season. And you can kind of – I mean, Max says it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But, I mean, as far as your recruiting pitch goes, I feel like it's pretty cool um, and probably more effective to be able to say, look, first season back, uh, three and nine, two and nine, we had a winning season. And I think that pays big dividends because if you go six and seven, I mean, you kind of just go, yeah, we went, we won six games, but it doesn't resonate as much as, oh, we had a winning season in our first year, in our first year here. Um, we could build so much more to build off of. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. Just like Mac likes to talk about uh, if the, the, the single game with beating your rival doesn't sway a recruit's decision. But I mean, down the he said a few times maybe, but down the road, other recruits they look and be like, okay, well, this is the year that they kind of turned it around and they've been able to build off of that. So I think it also it helps more with the future than it does right now. I agree with the notion that one game doesn't sway recruits, but I think you get three wins over NC State. That's that's something. You know, you get you two to three to four wins and it becomes a trend. Right. That's definitely significant in terms of um, winning games over rivals. Which is the same thing with the the winning season. If you go seven and six this year, that's I mean, obviously that's a winning season. Next year you can make it uh, I don't know, nine and four or eight and five or just continuing the trend, that pays more dividends with recruits than going six and seven this year, seven, six next year. Like I think going with, having a winning season this year and being able to build off of it has the same effect. Greg Barnes, wrap it up. I mean, I yes, I think it's cool to be able to say you had a winning season, but I tend to agree with what Mike said. It's, folks know what's being built there. Um, so does the winning season deal, Greg, matter that much other than in just – I don't want to call it eye candy um, because you can have a winning season and not beat and beat a bunch of cupcakes um, in this day and age. 
You're exactly right. It's eye candy. I don't think it matters one bit. I think it's irrelevant. I think if you are a mediocre coach and you are trying your hardest to keep your job and you're trying to build something and it's going to be like eight wins or nine wins is like your ceiling, you want to stack as many winning seasons as you can. When you're in Mac Brown shoes and however, well, I mean, I don't even know what the number is now. He's had so many years in his coaching career where his teams have won 10 games. That is his threshold. The goal this year was to get to a bowl game for the seniors. That also proves that you, know, after North Carolina won five games the previous two years, that is a definite sign of improved trajectory. And you can tell recruits, hey, we went to a bowl game in our first year. That is it. That is the only value in getting into the postseason. Fans like to be able to say they have a winning record. Uh, I guarantee you if Mac Brown is sitting at 6-6 six and six this time next year, he will not be a happy man. That's not what he has in mind. Uh, and so you check the box, you move on. Uh, you, I would imagine they'll play a lot of people in the bowl game. Not that they don't care. They want to win. Uh, but, you know, it's not like you're playing Virginia for a chance to play an ACC championship game. It's a little bit different. Uh, so, I, no, I don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it matters for a coach like Mac Brown. He, he's got much higher goals that he's, he's aiming for. Good stuff, boys. Disjointed podcasts. It's kind of how it is. Not a whole lot to talk about on the basketball side. Football season in the lull between now and, and like Ross mentioned, more media availability this week. And then bowl game in just uh, 10 days when you're listening to this podcast. That'll do it for this Inside Carolina podcast. On the Beat, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, Gregory Hall, Ross Martin, and Greg Barnes. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy. I'm honored my name went first there. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.